Well, hey everybody, welcome to Victory Online, man. It's so good to be with you and check it out. It's 2023. We've just come through Christmas and New Year's and we're heading into this year strong. In fact, we are building up into Vision Sunday. Come on, Vision Sunday is going to be amazing. You can't miss out. And we're going to jump straight back into the series that we actually started at the end of last year called Authors, right? We're talking a little bit about the guys who wrote the New Testament. Now check this out, right? What a better time. Is there a better time than the beginning of a year to really open up the Word. I don't know if you're like me, but I have struggled sometimes to read the Bible. There are moments when the Bible just is difficult to understand. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I have definitely felt this way. And so that's what the series is all about. We're talking about who the authors were and why they wrote what they wrote to help us have a better understanding of what we're reading. So that God can open up the word. At the beginning of a year, we want God to open up his word to us. Open up what he has for us. Come on. So good. That's what we're jumping into today. And at the end of last year, we started with the first two brothers of Jesus. We spoke about the brother Judah, who's known as Jude, and his brother Jacob, who we know as James. And today we are opening up the author, John. John, right? And there's no one else in the New Testament outside of Paul who has attributed more writings than John. No one else, right? So he's written so much of our understanding, so much about what we know about him and about the word comes from John. And it's awesome. We're going to open this up today. In my opinion, the letters of John are some of the most misunderstood letters in the New Testament. I believe that as we open up who he was and why he wrote what he wrote, that God is really going to give us a fresh and beautiful and powerful understanding of his word. And so as we do that, come on, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we ask this morning that you would open up our minds, open up our hearts to hear your word. As we jump into this author's series, the beginning of this year, I pray you open up the word to us. You give us fresh insight, fresh understanding, Lord God, of your beautiful word. Help it impact us and move us into our future. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we always do, come on church, we're going to ask, who was John? And the answer might surprise you, actually. Who was John? We don't actually know. That's the interesting part. We don't actually know who John was, right? Now, we have a couple of writings that we're going to focus on. Today, we're not going to look at the gospel of John, although it's relevant and it's the same author. Uh, we're not going to look at the gospel of John. We're going to look at the rest of his letters. Now, 2 and 3 John, just track with me here, 2 and 3 John have authorship, right? Within the text itself, it says who the author was. And it's someone called John the Elder. John the Elder. Interesting, right? Now, 2 and 3 John have a very specific writing style. Now, the book of 1 John, 1 John, it's 
it doesn't have an author. It's not expressly stated who the author of 1 John is. But, check this out, its writing style is exactly the same as 2 and 3 John, right? Writing style is the same, language use is the same, which means it's the same author. Whoever wrote 2 and 3 John definitely wrote 1 John. And also the Gospel of John, same writing style again. It's not authored in that sense, but we know from the writing style it's the same author, and so today we're going to focus in on the book of 1 John. 1 John, right? Now if you want the, the meat, you know, 2 and 3 John, they are, they're, they're kind of additions, they're based off of 1 John. But if you want the meat, if you want to know what John really thought, what he was really writing about, then you have to go to 1 John. And we're going to focus in on that book today. Now, this kind of this letter, right? It was written by one of three people. Now, so we know that it's the same author, but we don't know exactly which John it is. Check this out. There are three possible authors for the book of John, all of his writings. It's either the son of Zebedee, right? He was one of Jesus' disciples, the son of thunder, right? Or it's the disciple whom Jesus loved, who we read about in the Gospel of John. He is referred to as the disciple who Jesus loved. Or it's John the Elder. Or maybe some of these are the same person. We don't fully know. But scholars all lean towards it being the disciple whom Jesus loved. That in his earlier years, he was a disciple of Jesus. And later on, he becomes who is known as the Elder, John the Elder. He's a leader in the church. He's a leader in the Jerusalem church. And that's clear. There's not a question about that. Whoever this John is, he was a leader. He, he, he rose and he writes these letters in his old age. He has gone through life and now he is writing these letters to the churches in his old age. Now I want you to engage with something here today. It's very important for us to understand that these letters were written somewhere between the years of 80 and 100 AD, right? These letters were written a long time after Jesus. This is what you need to engage with. This was written a long time after Jesus actually walked the earth, 60 to 70 years after Jesus. Come on, that's a whole lifetime. Think about that, right? These letters were written a whole lifetime after Jesus actually walked on the earth. Now, what's interesting about that is that uh, it's a whole lifetime. There's a whole new generation of people who have now come into the church, who are now part of the church. Some of them were kids when Jesus was around. Some of them are in their older years. But what's happened is this church, in this lifetime that this church has had to grow, it's, it's been able to mature a little bit. It's been able to grow up a little bit, to form a little bit, right? We've had many years, but it's also had time to go through crisis. And this is huge. This is something we all have to understand for this book, that this church has gone through crisis, deep crisis, difficult crisis, difficult moments. Has, is this church, right? They've gone through these difficult 
times. And John is actually writing most likely to a church, to the church in Ephesus. Same church that Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, right? Letter to the Ephesian church. And this church has just been through a deep crisis of faith, a deep crisis of faith. Come on, we can, we can understand that, right? There are moments that we're walking with God and we go through difficult moments where we don't fully know, you know, our, our faith is tested. Come on, this is the same for this church right now. They've been through deep crisis of faith. And I want you to see that there's a theme in the New Testament. These are not just random writings that happen out of sync with each other. These guys are all writing to the same churches, going through the same struggles, having the same difficulties all over the place. And they are addressing sometimes the exact same issues that are being faced by these churches. Paul speaks to these issues and so does John. And so there is a controversy in the church right now. It's a controversy that is so convincing to people that the church is being swayed and led away from Jesus' original teachings. And here is the issue. This is the theme. It's going on in all the churches at this time. This is the, the challenge. They are challenging what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. People have come in from the outside, people who are not of the same faith. They don't believe. They didn't hear from the beginning who Jesus was and what Jesus stood for. Who was this Jesus? They didn't know what it was from the beginning. And they teach something other than what Jesus taught. They teach something other than what Jesus taught. And this is the controversy that John is trying to address in this letter. So important. So what is the controversy? This is very important. Come on, track with me, church. What is the controversy that John is trying to address? Check this out. There was a belief at this time in Greek philosophy as well as with a sect of Jewish and sometimes Christian people, they were called the Gnostics. They also held the same belief. This is the belief that our physical bodies, our actual flesh physical bodies were evil and sinful and that our spirits within our bodies were fully good and righteous. Now here's the, here's what you need to see. They believed and taught that there was no way for the body to influence the spirit and no way for the spirit to influence the body. So what does that mean? Why is this controversial to Christianity? It's controversial because of this. They taught that your sin was in your body. Your sin was inside of your flesh and your spirit could not be touched by it. That means your spirit could never be in a sinful state or in a state away from God. And what does that mean? It means that they did not have a need for a Messiah. No need for Jesus because your sin is in your body. It's inside of you. It's inside of your flesh. And when that flesh dies, then your body dies and your sin dies with it. Your spirit goes on to live forever in perfect harmony and peace because it is fully good. 
It means you don't need a Messiah. They denied that Jesus was God. They denied that he even resurrected. They denied even the need to have a Savior. Come on, this is huge. How many of us know, you and I know, that all have fallen short, all have sinned. We've all broken the the laws of God. We've all sinned and we need a Savior. We need Jesus. But these people denied that Jesus was necessary. They even denied that he was God. They preached that you're, you're always saved. You don't need a Messiah because your spirit is always good. And if you can just rid yourself of your earthly body and your earthly desires, your spirit will move on and live in glory forever. This goes against, fully against the teachings of Jesus and the need for a Messiah to come and save us and wash us white as snow. And this is the controversy that John is addressing. Paul addresses it as well. James addressed, there's so many that address this controversy of not needing a savior. They deny Jesus. You've seen that in the word where they've said these people, they deny Jesus. They deny who he is and what he means to us, what we need him for. They deny it. They deny Jesus. And they're leading people astray because people now don't know if they need a savior anymore. If we don't need a savior, that means we're our own salvation. If we don't have sin, we don't need Jesus. And so I want to read from the book of 1 John. And this is the idea you have to have in your mind the entire time that you're reading the book of 1 John. Because if you don't understand this, you will think that he's talking to you about your brokenness and your sin when actually he's talking to people who don't believe what we believe. Check this out. First John chapter 1 from verse 5 to 10. It says this, this is the message we have heard from him. John is saying this is the message we have heard from Jesus and we declare it to you. He's bringing them back to the first beliefs. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. This is huge. John is directly addressing this controversy. Now, if you bring that into our modern context, into our church, you'll think that he's speaking to us as Christians, as believers who struggle with sin, who struggle with temptation, who have a difficulty sometimes with addictions and all kinds of things that get in our way, right? We'll think that he's talking to us, that somehow we're now walking in darkness because we've fallen or we've made wrong decisions or bad choices in our lives. 
but he is addressing a specific controversy. Come on, church, track with me. Understand what John is trying to say here. He is talking to people who deny we even have any sin at all. Check this out. He says, if we say, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. He is directly speaking into this controversy because they say we don't have sin. We don't need a Messiah. We don't need a Savior because we don't have any sin. Our sin is in our bodies. And no matter what we do, no matter how many laws we break, no matter what we do, our soul is always pure and we will never need a Messiah. He says, if you claim to be without sin, you make God a liar. You deceive yourselves. But if you will confess your sin, if you will accept that I am broken and I need a Savior, then He becomes faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and purify you from unrighteousness. This is what John is talking about. When John is talking about claiming to be without sin, he is referring directly to people who believe they have no need for a savior. He is not talking to believers like you and me. Come on, he's not talking to believers like you and me who know we need a Savior, who know we can't do it by ourselves, who know we need God, we need Jesus, we need Him, we need Him. Come on. He's not talking to you and me. He's talking to people who believe they don't need Jesus. Do we need to ask God for forgiveness when we fail? Of course. Do we need to come to him in humility and receive his grace? Of course, but it is poured out fully on you and me as believers. In fact, he washes our sins away, past, present, and future. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness through his blood when we choose to put our faith in Jesus. Let me tell you, when you choose to not put your faith in Jesus, when you choose to put your faith in yourself, that's when unrighteousness comes in. There is no forgiveness for those who don't put their faith in Jesus. But you and I, we place our faith in Him. Our faith is in Jesus. John is directly talking to those who deny they need a savior. And so who are you? I'm asking you today, who are you? Are you those who deny Jesus? Or are you of those who need Jesus and recognize a need for a savior? Come on, you are those who believe. Type in the chat right now, I believe. I am those that believe. We are those that believe. We are the ones who believe we need Jesus that surrender our lives to Jesus, that give our whole beings to Him. And as we do that, even if we fail, even if we don't quite make the mark, sometimes we miss it, His blood cleanses us. This is what I want you to see. This is what John says about those who believe. Check this out. 1 John chapter 2 from verse 12 to 14 says this. I am writing to you, dear children. Check, he addresses us as the church here. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. 
I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong. Check this out. And the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Come on, that's you and that's me. Come on church, you are the children of God. You are the blessed. You are the ones who know the father. That is you and the enemy will come in all the time to say to you, you're not good enough for God. Look how many times you've messed up. You're walking in darkness. You're walking away from the light. Come on. And you are not deserving of God's grace and of his mercy. But John says so specifically to you and to me that you are the son and daughter of the most high and his life and his love is inside of you and his grace and his mercy is there for those who believe. Come on, if you believe that, post amen in the chat. Come on, say it out with me. I am a child of God. Does John challenge us to live holy and pure lives? Of course he does. It was a tenant and a message of Jesus to say it's time for us to choose healthy ways of living, to treat ourselves with healthy mindsets, to treat others with healthy mindsets, our marriages, our kids, the people that we minister to, our jobs, our spheres of influence. We need to treat people with the grace and mercy that Jesus gives us. We need to live lives that honor the Father. And John challenges us. As you read this book, you'll see he challenges true believers to live up to the excellence that God gives us. But he is very clear about those who do not receive righteousness and those who do. Those who don't are those that deny Jesus. And those that do are the ones that believe. He challenges us to live according to the truth that's in our hearts. To move away from sin and to a life that God has for us. He wants us to make that choice, not from a place of fear, but from a place of security. Come on, this is huge. This is big. This is massive. He wants you to make that choice of following Jesus and surrendering your will and your life to him from a place of security, not a place of fear. God doesn't scare you into his kingdom. He loves you into it. He knows that you're gonna fail. In fact, he doesn't just know it. He sympathizes with those moments when you fail, when you don't get it right. He sympathizes with you. And so right now, I want you to hear this message. The book of 1 John, you gotta go in with this mindset. John is addressing a controversy and he's talking to two different sets of people. And you will see this throughout the New Testament. It's not unique to John. Paul does it. Peter does it. James does it. Jude definitely did it. They were addressing controversies. We have the same kinds of controversies in our lives. How many of us know right now, in the church right now, it's difficult to be a Christian, to stand by what you believe. And there are so many convincing voices out there, voices that deny Jesus, voices that deny he is king, voices that deny that he is our Messiah. But he calls us back. He calls us back to him. And that no matter what we do, our faith is unshakable, it's unbreakable because we stand on the firm foundation of a God who loves us and saves us and has a beautiful future for us. His grace is everlasting. It never ends. It never ends. Come on, it never ends. His grace never runs out. His mercy for you never runs out. And he empowers you to live beyond 
the things of this world, the things of the flesh, our addictions, our brokennesses, the things that bring us harm. But when you read John's writings, if you don't know what he's trying to say, you'll think he's talking about you. And the enemy will use that to bring condemnation onto you, to try and tell you that you're not good enough for God. That because you've done it so many times, you continue to walk in darkness. There is now no more forgiveness for you. I'm here to tell you today, there is forgiveness in Jesus. There's not just forgiveness, but there is empowerment. And so today I wanna pray. As we bring this message to a close, I wanna pray for you and I wanna pray for me that we would understand, especially as we read John's writings from his gospels to his letters, even to the book of Revelation, that we would see through the lens of who he was, a disciple of Jesus, a leader in his old age and wisdom, giving us what he truly believed, that Jesus forgives us, empowers us, and gives us a beautiful future. So come on, let's pray together right now. Holy Spirit, I pray for every person watching this right now. Lord, we've come from all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of different teachings about what it means to be a follower of Christ and how to deal with sin. And today, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are teaching us what your heart is, that you don't just expect us to be perfect, but you empower us to live in a way that honors you. That, Lord, your grace and your mercy is there for us no matter what we do, no matter how bad we are, you will forgive us and you will change our lives. I pray, Father, that as we read John's writings, as you open up the, the letters of John to us, that we will see from this perspective that he is writing specifically to certain people and you will help us understand what is for us and what he says to us as believers. We have overcome the evil one. We have overcome sin because of your name, because of your grace. We have overcome the evil one. And so we receive that today. Father, I pray for every word of condemnation spoken over any person and I break it off in Jesus' name. Remind us who we are in you, what our identity is. We give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.